You're listening to the Thriving Nurse Podcast. I'm your host, Abby Sanchez, and this is episode 19, Infuse Positivity. Welcome to the Thriving Nurse Podcast. This is the podcast for nurses who know that to take care of your patients and your families, first, you need to take care of yourself. If you're ready to create a balanced, beautiful, and bold life, you're in the right place. Hey, my friends, welcome back to the podcast. Am I sounding extra tan this episode? Can you hear the tan in my voice? (laughs) I'm in Hawaii right now visiting my family and we're having a great time. I'm actually not golden brown, I'll be honest with you. I'm kind of a stubborn shade of pasty. (laughs) And so while we're here, I'm just layering on layer after layer of sunscreen, trying to avoid getting a burn. But I'm in Hawaii, so I feel like I should be tan. So I'm just going to let you imagine that I'm here with this golden brown tan. And I'm sitting out on the lanai right now. If you're not familiar with that, it's a patio that has a screen around it. So I'm just sitting out here, and as we record the podcast, you might hear some leaves rustling or some birds chirping. And if you hear that, we're just going to go with it. Just imagine you're here in Hawaii with me, chilling on the lanai, and we're having a chat. So I am really excited for today's episode because it's something that everybody needs to practice. We're going to be talking about infusing positivity into your life. And this is something that all humans need to do intentionally because as a species, we are programmed to look for negativity. Let me explain why this is. So if you think about evolution, it was more advantageous for us to look for what was wrong in our environment for problems, for things that could be dangerous to us than it was to look for things that were good and things that were positive. It was more important for us to notice the black widow than it was for us to notice the blackberries. Because if we didn't see the blackberries, we'd miss out on some delicious fruit, but we'd be okay. If we didn't see the black widow, that could actually be really harmful to us, right? And so in order for us to survive, we always had to be on the lookout for problems. And so that's the way our brain has evolved over time. That's the brain we're carrying with us, the one that's always looking for a tiger around every corner. And not only do all humans do this, but nurses kind of get a double dose because we have that brain that looks for problems and every shift we spend our 12 hours practicing looking for problems. So we're really good at it. So if you think about during your shift, what do we do? What do we pay attention to? We pay attention to the things that are wrong, right? On my nurse brain, I usually don't write down the things that are normal. Like if their skin's good, if their lungs are clear, I'm just writing down the exceptions. I'm writing down if they have crackles, if they have skin breakdown, if they have a murmur, all of those things that are outside of normal. When I write down lab values, it's always the ones that are outside of normal limits, right? Like sometimes I'm giving a report and someone's like, oh, how is their potassium? I'm like, well, didn't write it down. Must have been good because I know I looked at it, but I only write it down if it's a problem. And that's how we go about our shifts. We're always looking to make sure we're not making a med error, to make sure the antibiotic infused, that the blood's going at the right rate. 
We're checking to make sure our patients are comfortable, that they're not in pain or having a lot of anxiety, that they're sleeping well. We're on the lookout for equipment failure. I got to tell you guys, this is one of my favorite experiences at my hospital, which in the time it wasn't really my favorite, but looking back, it always makes me laugh. One night I was admitting a patient and he came to the floor and was kind of grumbling about our hospital being a little bit old school. And that night our call bell system had gone down. So as soon as he finished this little rant, I handed him a literal bell and was like, okay, if you need anything, just ring this. (laughs) And he looked at me like, you have got to be kidding me. It was pretty hilarious. The whole night we were running around trying to figure out whose bell was ringing. We'd be like, keep ringing, keep ringing until we found which room it was coming from. So not our finest moment, but we got through that night. And fortunately, it hasn't happened again. But again, that's something we're always looking for to make sure our patients can get a hold of us to make sure equipment's functioning properly. I work on a telefloor, so we're constantly getting pages that someone's lead is off, that the telemonitor isn't tracing. And so every shift, we are constantly on the lookout for problems with our patients, with equipment, with medications. And that's what makes us really good nurses. That's how we're effective at our job, right? It's a very important part of our job because we are the front line. We are the doctor's eyes and ears. So if something changes, if something starts going wrong, we're the ones who call the rapid response. We're the ones who notify the doctor. And so it's important that we have that ability to search for problems and for those things to stand out to us. But the thing is, is our brain doesn't just have this switch where it's like, okay, I know that in this context, I'm going to look for problems. And in this context, I'm going to lighten up a little bit. I'm going to look for positive things. It gets stuck in that mode looking for what's wrong. This is something called priming. Have you guys ever heard of that before? Basically what it means is that what we program our brain to look for, what we tell it is important, that's what it's going to notice and that's what's going to stick out to us. So I think of it like if you prime something when you paint. Have you guys ever done that? When my husband and I first moved into our house, we had the crazy idea to paint our kitchen cabinets. If you guys ever think that sounds like a good idea, don't do it. Just pay somebody. I promise you it is so worth it to not do that yourself. (laughs) But we went for it. We did it and it actually turned out just fine, but it's a lot of work. And one of the steps, one of the first things you do is you prime before you paint. So you put down a coat of primer And that's what helps the paint stick to it, to not chip off. And so I think of that is what happens to our brains. We tell our brain, this is what to look for. This is what to have stick to it. So it's scanning our environment for that information. And we find it a lot quicker than we do with other things that we haven't been primed to look for. So to give you another quick example, when I was car shopping, I really wanted to get a Honda CR-V. And I was doing a lot of research about Honda CRVs. I was talking to friends about them who owned them. And so they were constantly on my mind. So I was priming my brain saying, hey, this is important. Pay attention to this. And then when I'd be out driving around, I suddenly started noticing all these Honda CRVs. But it wasn't like everybody had just gone out and bought the same car that day, right? 
But now that my brain was thinking that's important, that's what we should be looking for, that's what I was noticing in my environment. And so this is what happens during our shift when we tell our brain it's important to be looking for problems, keep looking for what's wrong, then our brain goes into that mode and it stays looking for problems and it keeps looking for what's wrong during our shift and after our shift because it doesn't just flip a switch. This can cause problems for us even during our shift because while in some cases during our shift we want to be looking for our problems, in other times we don't need to be looking for problems during our shift. We don't need to be looking for what's wrong with our coworkers, right? We don't need to be thinking, oh, that coworker is so lazy. That coworker always interrupts me. That coworker has this annoying habit that she always does. That's not helpful to us. But our brain is thinking, look for problems. And so it's finding them. And we look for problems with our patients too. We think, oh, that patient's calling too much. That patient keeps asking for snacks. They are so irritating. And so that doesn't help us either, right? So we want to be able to look for problems when it's important, but switch our brain over and stop looking for problems. Look for the positive things when it's not useful for us to be looking for what's wrong. And like I said, we take that same mindset home with us. We go home and our brain continues to look for what's wrong. Have you ever noticed sometimes after a shift, I feel like I walk into my house and everything that's wrong just jumps out at me. Like my husband could have cleaned the whole downstairs except for missed a few dishes in the sink. And that's what my brain focuses in on. It's like, oh, those dishes are dirty. Or you walk in and you immediately hear your kids fighting and your brain kind of ramps up being like, oh, there's a problem here. But it makes sense, right? Doesn't it kind of feel nice to know that there's a reason our brains do this? It's not that you're a grumpy nurse. It's normal human nature to look for problems. And as a nurse, you're practicing doing that every shift. Nurses aren't the only ones who do this. This has been shown in other professions as well when those professions are focused on looking for problems. I heard about a tax auditor once who was totally falling into this pattern. So a tax auditor, they're looking for mistakes in people's taxes, right? And this tax auditor on his breaks at work had put together an Excel sheet of all the mistakes he had noticed his wife make in the past six weeks. And he was going to bring that home and show it to his wife thinking he was being really helpful. So because his brain was primed to look for problems, he kept noticing problems in other areas of his life. Lawyers are another profession that are prone to looking for negativity. There was a study done in the Journal of Occupational Medicine that found that lawyers are 3.6 times more likely than the rest of the employed population to suffer a major depressive episode. So I thought that was kind of interesting because if you think about lawyers in our society, they for one have a lot of esteem, right? They are viewed as a highly valued profession and they make good money. But even though they seem to have a lot going for them as a profession, they suffer more depression than the general population. But really, this doesn't surprise me because they're constantly looking for problems. They're focused on negativity at work 
And so they bring that into other areas of their life. So what I want you to see from all of this is that some professions are primed to be more cynical in other areas of their life, to see more negativity. It's not because you're just a mean, naggy person. It's because you've been practicing looking for problems for the past 12 hours. So just be compassionate with yourself knowing that one, this is human nature, but also that nurses have a heightened sense of this. We are hyper vigilant to anything that could be a problem. But if we understand this, then we know how important it is that we do something about it. We know we have to be intentional about balancing things out, about bringing positivity into our lives because we are so practiced at negativity. So let's talk about that, you guys. Let's talk about how to balance out this positivity and negativity. In a second, I'm going to give you some tips on how to increase the positivity in your life, how to infuse it into your life, like this podcast episode is titled. But first, I want to help us cut back on some of the negativity. So a lot of the negativity, what I'm calling negativity, right, in air quotes, is important. So that's noticing when something's wrong with your patients, when you need to alert the doctor about something, if there's a true problem that needs to be addressed. But a lot of other things we consider to be problems aren't actually problems. Right now, my toddler, my daughter, she has started asking for help more and more. So if one of her toys is stuck or she can't reach something, then it's fun seeing the little light bulb go off in her brain. And she turns to me and goes, help, help. And I help her with whatever she needs, right? But sometimes she has that alarm go off when things are actually perfectly fine. So she's been climbing up onto the kitchen chairs lately and she'll try to slide down to get off and her feet will be dangling like an inch above the ground, but she is just like clinging, white knuckled onto the edge of the chair, asking for help. She'll say, help down, help down. And I look at her and I'm like, you're fine. This isn't a problem but she doesn't see it, right? Her brain is alarming, like this is a problem, I'm gonna get hurt. And I think our brains do this all the time. They are ringing alarm bells. It's like a malfunctioning IV pump where we're like, something's wrong here, I need to fix this, this is a problem, but really nothing is wrong. I think one way we can really scale back the negativity in our life is by realizing that a lot of things aren't actually a problem. What I like to do when I'm noticing my brain wanting to freak out and think that everything is a huge catastrophe is I look at it as if I am my daughter clinging on to the chair with my feet an inch above the ground. And I remind my brain that this actually isn't a problem, that everything is fine. So let me give you a few examples of times my brain really wants to panic and think that something has gone wrong. But as I've learned to supervise my brain, I know these things aren't really a problem. So I don't know about you guys, but my brain really thinks it's a problem when people disagree with me or they disapprove of me. I used to think that was dangerous, like I needed to defend myself or convince them to see things my way. 
but I totally don't see it that way anymore. Now I know that other people can hold whatever view they want of any subject and even about me, and it's not dangerous. And we can disagree and be best friends. We can disagree and still be married. (laughs) So it's not a problem if people disagree, but our brains want to think that it is. It only becomes a problem for us when we start making that disagreement mean something about the other person or mean something about ourselves. That's the only time it becomes a problem. But it's not a problem simply to disagree. I love what Byron Katie says, defense is the first act of war. So when other people disagree with us, that's not what starts the war. That's not what is creating conflict. It's us getting worked up, thinking that it's a problem, getting ready to fight. Do you ever feel that when somebody maybe starts having a different idea and expressing a different idea than what you want? It kind of starts to bubble up inside you, this like anger or frustration or resistance. But if we let all that go, then there's no war. It's just two people having different opinions and that's totally fine. And I love reminding myself of that because then it doesn't seem like such a big deal when other people disagree with me, when they have different views or they disapprove of me. It's like, oh, they can think whatever they want and maybe they're right. Maybe I'll learn something from them. Maybe this is a good thing. It's not scary or dangerous. Another thing my brain wants to have a whole bunch of drama about is not getting enough sleep. But I remember when I realized that that isn't actually a problem. I mean, yes, it's uncomfortable, but I can totally get through it. And the thing that makes it so intolerable is all that drama I'm creating, all the worry about how I'm not going to be able to function, how this is so hard, the pity I feel towards myself, the resentment I feel towards anything that keeps me awake. (laughs) That is what makes it a problem. But not getting sleep itself really isn't a problem. I will survive. I can function. And so I like to remind myself that it's not a problem because then I can drop all of that extra suffering that I'm creating. So that's the best way I've found to get rid of the problems in your life. To choose to believe that they aren't actually problems. And that really is up to you. That's something you get to decide. So when your brain starts alarming and panicking because it's used to seeing something as a problem, it's always viewed it as a problem, just comfort it. Just like I do with my little toddler clinging on to the kitchen chair thinking she's going to fall. Remind your brain this isn't actually a problem. You're only an inch above the ground. Everything is going to be just fine. And I'm not saying you want to do that with everything in your life. Some things you might want to view as a problem, and that could serve you really well. But I just want you to take a step back and decide for yourself, is it helpful for me to think this is a problem, or is it just stirring the pot? Is it actually causing more problems for me when I view it this way? So just recognize it's a choice, it's up to you, and decide what serves you best. Okay. So now let's bring on the positivity. I want to give you a few suggestions of how you can bring positivity into your life so that it's just all around you, that it's more of a natural thing. You want this to become a habit. 
So that's why I titled this podcast episode Infusing Positivity. Because I think of like an essential oils diffuser. The oils are surrounding you in the air. You're breathing it in. And if we can make positivity into a habit like that, so it just is all around us all the time, then we can balance out all of the negativity that our brain naturally is drawn towards. And these suggestions I have for you are super practical. They're things that you could implement starting your next shift. So the first one is putting pictures of people or pets or things you love on your nurse brain. Now, I know many of us have our phones in our pockets, right? We have pictures easily accessible to us. But the difference with putting it on your brain is that one, you're seeing it all the time. You're having so many opportunities where it's like, oh, there's my daughter. I love her so much. Oh, there's my cute dog, right? And you get that little burst of dopamine that gives you a little pick-me-up during your shift. But I think the even better advantage of having this is that it gives you opportunities to talk about those people and things you love. So when you're in a patient's room and they ask if you have any pets, instead of pulling out your phone and getting it all germy in a patient's room, you've got it right there in your nurse brain. You can say, yeah, here's my kitten. Look how cute she is. And talk about all the funny things that she does. Like to me, that's a much more meaningful connection. I love getting to talk about my daughter, but when they can actually see her, I feel like it adds so much more to that interaction and to the connection. And so I love this idea as a way to keep you thinking and talking about the people and things you love. My next suggestion for you is to use your breaks wisely. Bring positivity into your breaks. So it could be something as simple as calling a friend you haven't talked to in a long time, someone you love to chat with. Now, if you're a night shifter, I don't want your friends getting mad at me, so please don't call them in the middle of the night. (laughs) But you have access to your friends still, right? You have Facebook and Instagram and ways that you can connect with the people that you love, even in the middle of the night. Now, I don't think it's quite the same as, you know, if you like someone's picture of their cute kid on Facebook I don't think that is going to give you as big of a hit of positivity as we're going for. So instead, I would suggest even writing a personal message to someone or texting someone if it's not going to bother them in the middle of the night. And just let them know you're thinking about them. It doesn't have to be an elaborate message, but something just to get you thinking about what you appreciate about someone. Maybe some fun plans or a memory that you have with them. Just find ways to connect with the people that you love outside of work. You can also find things on your breaks that make you laugh. Go on YouTube or Netflix and watch a comedy. Instead of spending your breaks thinking about all the problems you have or what's going on with your patients or staring blankly at the wall in the break room, find something that's uplifting and brings positivity into your shift. I think the drive home from work is also a great time to practice positivity. If you're sitting in the car and you're by yourself and you have time to just think then why not choose to think about positive things? So one thing I love to do is to just think back over my shift of all the things my coworkers did that I appreciated. 
So I might think how awesome Leslie was that I never have to worry if things are going to get done. She is just so reliable and I appreciate that about her. Or I might think about the funny conversation I had with Destiny and how she's always so happy and cheerful and I love being around her. So just those little moments or those things my coworkers did that made my shift a little extra special. I also like to take a second to appreciate myself, to recognize how hard I worked and feel proud of myself. A lot of times I think we're just so tired, we just want to stop thinking about work. But I think it's important for us to think about the positive things that happened during our shift, the things that we did well. Another thing I love doing on the drive home from work is using that time to notice all the beautiful things around me. I think sometimes it's really easy to get on autopilot. I live six minutes from the hospital I work at, and so I could drive home with my eyes closed. But I like to be intentional and look around and notice the things that I love. So I'll notice maybe the colors in the sky and how pretty it looks or how pretty the trees are that are lining the road. Or on this one turn, like right before you turn to my house, as you go up the road, there's this view of the mountain right in front of you. And it's so pretty to just drive straight towards that mountain, have this gorgeous view of it head on. And so I love to notice those things and not just go into autopilot. So use that drive home as a way to practice looking for positivity, to switch your brain, right? Because you just did 12 hours of looking for problems. So start looking for the good. And when you get home, you have a lot of opportunities to see positivity. And your brain is going to want to look for the negative, right? All that stuff is going to jump out at you. But you can choose. You can choose to see the toys on the floor as a mess and as a problem, or you can be intentional about how you think about it. You could choose to believe that it's a sign that your kids are having an awesome childhood, that they love to play together, that they have goofy imaginations. I like to think about when I last saw my daughter playing with that toy. For instance, right now we have tons of blocks that are always all over our living room. And if I catch myself being like, oh my gosh, this is such a mess, then I go back to that moment when she made her giant block tower and came running over to me with this huge, proud grin on her face. And I'm like, oh, that's not a mess. That's my daughter learning and growing and having fun. So it's all good. That's not a problem. When I come home and I see that the dishes from dinner last night are still all over the kitchen, I like to think, oh yeah, we had such a good dinner last night. I am so glad my husband loves to cook and that he's such an awesome cook. I could see it as a mess again, right? But instead, I want to choose what story I tell myself. And there's an awesome story to be told there that I'm so fortunate that I have the best life ever. So when you come home or as you go about your life and all those things, those negative things want to jump out at you, which is perfectly normal, that's what our brain is designed to do, choose intentionally what story you want to tell yourself about it and practice believing that story. Practice telling yourself that story. When your brain wants to go back to its usual thought patterns, 
just redirect it. Remind it, oh no, this isn't actually a problem. This is what we want to believe about it instead. It takes work, you guys. I'm not saying that this is easy, that it happens overnight, but it is totally worth it. I love to remind myself that I can be a grumpy person who sometimes feels happy, or I can be a happy person who sometimes feels grumpy. It's totally up to me. I think of it like if our emotions were neighborhoods. Where do I want to hang out and spend my time? Where do I want to live? I want to live in the neighborhood of peace and gratitude and joy. And sometimes I'll go visit the other neighborhoods. I'll go visit the grumpy neighborhood or the irritable neighborhood or the worry neighborhood. But that's not where I want to live. And so it's up to me to invite that positivity into my life. There is so much positivity available to you, but you have to choose it. You are the one who gets to bring it into your life. So run with some of the ideas I gave you or come up with your own ideas. What ways can you intentionally bring positivity into your life? You know what to do. You got this. All right, you guys, thank you so much for hanging out with me. Have a great week. I'll talk to you again next week. Take care.